Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Good to see all of you here this morning. Welcome home. We're glad you're here today. Welcome home to all of those that are watching online today. And if we haven't met, uh, my name is Pastor Kyle, and I'm glad to have you today. And we are starting a brand new series today called Questions That Jesus Asked. And this is actually our Easter series. This is going to lead us up to Easter and, and, man, just not that much longer, and we'll be at Easter. And this really is just celebrating um, who Jesus is and the questions that he asked. And obviously, Jesus knew the answer to the questions that he would ask. However, his questions always had a purpose. They were intentional. He wanted to get people to consider, to come to the right conclusion, or in today's focus, to see where people were and they're thinking about him. Sometimes as parents, we'll ask our children questions, not because we don't know the answer, but just to get them to consider and to think. And that's really what Jesus did. But specifically, the question Jesus asked today is really kind of gauging where they're at, where the disciples are at. So today, here's our question today. Let's read it together. But who do you say I am? This is a question that Jesus asked within the context of a story we find in the Gospels, and we're going to be looking at the one in Matthew today, chapter 16. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, hey, uh, who do people say that the Son of Man is? I, I wonder who, who you guys think he is. Who, what would they say? They replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. It doesn't say if Jesus immediately asked this question or if there was like a little casual conversation prior, if he just went into it, or if there was a pregnant pause. But at some point, Jesus says, okay, what about you? I mean, you guys have been watching me for a while. You've seen the miracles that I've done. You've been following me around. You've heard the truth that I've been sharing. You've seen the the examples, the miracles, all of those things. Just kind of want to ask a question to kind of see where you guys are. So what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answers, let's read it. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Well, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. Let's read it. But by my father in heaven. And then Jesus goes on to teach a little bit. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, rock talking about Jesus, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So this morning we're looking at the question, but who is it, who do you say that I am. Jesus was asking what others thought about who he was. Then he asked the disciples who he thought he was. And I would ask us today, who do you think Jesus is? You know, at some point in all of our lives, we're faced with a similar question. Who do we say Jesus is? Is he a prophet, a moral teacher, a heretic, the son of God? Is he someone your grandma serves and tries to get you to serve? Is he a stranger? Is he someone you haven't talked to in a while? 
Is he someone you're unsure of? Is he a person that you believe lived but really didn't do anything? Is he your Lord, King, and, and friend? Is he the Messiah? Who is Jesus to you? We tend to not be people that want questions. We, we like answers, right? That's how we're driven. But the reality is this question is really important for all of us today because it's a question that all of life is summed up with. In fact, when we stand before God someday, kids, adults, teenagers, this question is going to matter. Amen? Who is Jesus? And specifically, what have you done with Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Well, when when Jesus asked this question to the disciples, Peter was kind of the spokesperson for the group, and, and Peter was bold, and he just declared out, I'm just telling you right now, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Right? It's almost like, to use language that we use maybe nowadays or we've heard, it's almost like Jesus was saying, I need you to define the relationship that you have with me, right? I don't remember exactly how long Whitney and I were dating, but there was a point where I'm like, is this casual? Are we just kind of friends? Are we dating? Like, where is this going? And I remember having that conversation with her. I didn't say, let's define the relationship, you know. That would be really awkward. <laughs> okay, don't ask that question on the first date, by the way. That is not good. But, but there was a point where I'm like, hey, where is this going? Right? And she's like, oh, glad you asked the question, like, what is this, right? When it comes to Jesus, we must define the relationship. As I mentioned earlier, who is he to us? Because the core principle that sets Christianity apart from every other religion, religion is our belief. Say those two words, our belief right? And if we not, we're not sure how we believe, then, then how do we really have a relationship with him? What sets us apart is our belief that the supreme God of the universe took on human flesh, lived among us, and then, let's read it, in his immense love died that we might be forgiven. That's why we gather together and worship, because he lives, that's why we praise him and sing songs about him and read scripture about him and teach about him. It's because Jesus overcame the grave. And we must believe in faith. If you're new this morning, you're kind of getting the philosophical underpinnings of who we are, the truth of who we are today. We must believe that Jesus died for us. John the Baptist Right? He, he talks about this. He's doing some teaching and people are saying like, hey, people are starting to go more to Jesus than they are to you. And John gives this big, long thing basically saying, hey, that's, that's what needs to happen. And then he says this in John 3. He says, whoever believes in the Son has what? Eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. Let's read it. God's wrath remains on them. In other words, this question that I asked earlier that Jesus is essentially asking to the disciples and, and really to us today is, who do they say that I am? But who do you say that I am? Do you understand why I've come? Do you understand why I'm here? 
And a lot of times, you know, I have selective hearing at home sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, babe, did you take the trash out yet? And I'm like, I'm sorry, what'd you say? I don't know what you're saying. Right? We have this selective hearing, and especially with our kids sometimes, our kids can have selective hearing. And then other times people will ask us questions that are, that are really important, and we don't know the answer, or we don't want to deal with it, or we don't want to be called out, or whatever, for whatever reason. But sometimes we just don't respond. But our not responding is also an answer, right? And when it comes to not defining the relationship with Jesus, silence is an answer. I mean, we all know people, and maybe that's you today or you online, people not just outside the church, but inside the church that, that come week after week after week. I remember I shared this story years ago, but uh, I served with a pastor in St. Louis, and this, his name was Mike, and he used to be an evangelist, and he would go from church to church to church. And one time he was there at a church for revival, and it was a smaller church, and there's a guy out mowing the grass, and he pulls up in his car. No one showed up yet. Yet it's just him, and he doesn't know how he's going to get in the church. And all of a sudden, the mower comes up closer to the church and gets off, and he's got this key ring on his jeans, and he comes up, and he unlocks the church and lets him in. And he says, hey, I, you know, tell me about the microphones, or do you know who I can get in contact with? He says, no, I'll get you that. And he got him the order of the service. He helped him with you know, all the little details before the service needed to get started. He cleaned the church. I mean, probably did the bulletins. I mean, he was in charge of everything, right? And the service goes on and Mike gets up and shares a message, an evangelistic message where, do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? And he gives an altar call. No one comes forward and this guy comes forward and Mike goes down and says, who can I help you pray for? Because obviously this guy, you know, I mean, he's, a, he's everything in this church in terms of all the doing stuff, right? The doer. I mean, if you could earn your salvation through doing, this guy right here would be at the top of the list. So who are you up here praying for, Mike said. He just looked at him and said, me. I've been coming here for 40 years and I'm not saved. I don't know Jesus. See, we don't, we don't get into heaven because we do stuff. We don't get into heaven because we serve on a church board or we tithe regularly or we serve. All those things are things that God calls us to do, but they don't save us. And so even inside a church, we can be busy doing things and just avoid the question about who is Jesus to you, right? We all know people maybe that are going through some heavy things and we just avoid talking to them about that subject because it's awkward, and so this morning, I would, you know, cut the tension or ask, maybe create the tension for some of us today with asking you, who is Jesus to you? And I would even ask that of those who would say, well, pastor, I'm saved. I have a relationship with, with him. My question would be, are, are you following him? Are there certain areas in your life that you know God is calling you away from or to and you just keep avoiding those things? Have you defined the relationship or have you, have you had the talk about the thing that God's calling you to do? Folks, there's nothing more important that we teach our kids and that we live our life based on than making sure that our life is built on Christ, the rock of our salvation. Amen? 
Christ is the rock. When, when Peter says, you are the son of the living God, he's like, yeah, and I'm going to build my church on that. Listen to this. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, meaning Jesus, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Paul says in his first letter, letter to the Corinthians in chapter 3, verse 11, he says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one, let's read it, laid, which Jesus Christ, oh, sorry, for no one can lay founda any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ, right? So I, I attended here when, when I was a kid and we would sing a lot of hymns and um, as a real little kid, we went to a church in, out in Monmouth, Kansas, and we, we would sing this song, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. Let's read it. All other ground. All other ground is. All right, everybody. Okay? I really want to rip the next verse, Adam, but I'm not going to do it. Sarah's like, do it. But guys, it's not just a song, right? It's the foundation upon which we, we live our lives. And this, this meaningless little question that Jesus asks the disciples that Peter kind of declares for the group, he asks us today, see, what are you going to do with me, Jesus is saying? Who do you say that I am? Am I... Am I Elijah like some are saying? Am I a prophet like some are saying? Am I, am I a stranger? Am I just a nuisance, right, to the Pharisees? Am I a blasphemer, as, as some of these religious people say? Or do you get it? Do you get that I came so that you could live an abundant life? You could have salvation, absolutely. That's why we call him Savior. But he's also our Lord, our King, and our friend, David, in Psalms 118, he says, the stone the builders rejected has become what? The cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in his eyes. You know, God created the church to tell the story of who Jesus is. And he reminds us, David reminds us, that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in, in vain, right? Laying Christ as the foundation begins with faith, which leads to surrender. Remember earlier we mentioned those two words, our belief. You see, it is our belief that, that Jesus came and that he died. And we, and we believe that in faith and the foundation of everything that starts with that. It starts with faith. I shared a long time ago, when I was a freshman or sophomore, I think it was a freshman, up at MNU, there was a guy there. I don't know what he got on his ACT, but it was probably like a 36 or something. He was a genius. But he was so smart that it almost worked against him because faith was a hard thing for him. It had to be logic. He had to, you know, if you know somebody like that, the book Case for Christ would be a good book for him. But he always struggled with the faith piece. The belief, right? Because there are times where we go through those valleys and, and we can't see and we have to trust. As when, G, when Peter 
ask this question, who is Jesus to you? Basically, who do you say people, who do you say that I am? He's asking them to define the relationship. And we need to remember to make sure that our life is built on Christ, the rock of our salvation. And can I also remind us today, as we think about Jesus, and we also identify that he is the Messiah, the son of the living God, we have to be reminded today when we get in these times of COVID and politics and uncertainty, and we're all afraid that the wrong people are going to be making decisions nationally and around the world, and that, that, that things are crumbling around us. I want to give you some truth this morning. If we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the gates of hell will not overcome the church. The gates of hell will not overcome the church that God is building. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you today, whether it be a physical affliction, whether it be a, a something that, that, you know, a loss, whether it be um, not feeling whatever you might be feeling today, whether it be things going on in the world that get us down, we need to remember today that Christ is the solid rock for every situation that we deal with and the gates of hell will not overcome the church that God is building. Listen to this. Jesus says, and on this rock I will build my church. Let's read it. And the gates of Hades. That's good today. So I have, you, have this question for you today. Jesus asked the group, the followers, the people there. Be easy to say, well, maybe we should walk the streets and ask people, you know, who, who do you say that I am? And maybe, maybe we need to do that. But he's kind of asking his followers this question. He's talking to the group. We're all here today. You came today. You didn't have to come. But you decided to be here today. I would ask you the question, all of us the question, but who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. But we're going to end how we started. Who is Jesus to you? 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, I know we have some kids in the room today. We have some visitors. We've, been, we've got visitors every week that come. And you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You, you're searching for something in your life. There's, this feels like there's part of you that doesn't know Christ, Jesus died so that you could have a relationship with him. And that relationship takes place through faith. And after we're saved, for those of the rest of us in the room, we don't stay saved by doing a bunch of good things. Amen? There's a tendency sometimes to think that if we do a bunch of like, okay, I, I was at camp and I asked Jesus into my heart or, you know, I've been following Jesus a long time. It's not like we cement 
our, our ticket into heaven or, or our relationship with God because we keep doing a lot of serving type things. God uses those serving type things and he calls us to serve. In fact, if we follow Jesus' example, that's what he did. I mean, he washed the disciples' feet. He was all about serving. But it's his grace that saves us daily. Even for those who've already have a relationship with him. You are continually being saved, not by your works, not by your church attendance, but by his works on the cross, amen? It's by his grace. So who is Jesus to you? I'm gonna ask the band to come up. Uh, Maybe you grab some communion on the way in today. Um, We try to, especially with our youngest, when Wits or I've made dinner to say, hey, you know, you need to wash your hands before you eat. Don't contaminate the food with your germs. Go wash your hands. As he's gotten older, it's become less of an argument. But... And folks, today, we have the opportunity to, to kind of wash ourselves. Maybe there's a sin or there's something in your life before we take this communion together that you need to confess to God need to repent of maybe or maybe you don't have a relationship with him and you'd like to have a relationship you do that through simply admitting that you're a sinner that you don't have a relationship with him be believing that what Jesus did is enough amen that's a big deal believing that Jesus died and resurrected for you and confessing your sins Confessing him as Lord, if you're willing to do that, you can have a relationship with him. Or maybe for some of us today, we have a relationship with him, but if we were honest, who Jesus is, is someone we haven't talked to in a while. Someone we need to catch up with. Before we take communion, wherever you're at on that spectrum, can we just take this a little bit before we take the communion? And just maybe bow our heads and close our eyes. Allow God to speak to us today with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, would you consider praying this prayer along with me? Lord Jesus, you know that I'm a sinner. You know that I've made mistakes. I don't understand all the intricacies of following you. But Father, I believe in faith that you died for me. And I choose to believe today that you can save me. And so I invite you to come into my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. And I I repent of my sins. And I ask you to fill me with your spirit. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if anybody prayed that prayer, we're not going to embarrass you. But just as a testimony with every every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you just slip your hand up if you prayed that prayer? Amen. God sees those hands. And then for the rest of us, let's just take a little bit of time and maybe there's something you'd like to talk to God about or confess to God before we take communion.
If you're ready, go ahead and take the bread out. So for some of us, maybe this is the first time we've ever taken communion, but probably for many of us, we've done this many times and it just be easy just to eat the bread kind of and move on but remember this bread represents something that Christ did for us that's very significant he was flogged he was beaten he was broken so that you and I could have a relationship with him so that you and I could call him savior king and friend so that you and I could be set free and so take the take the bread or the cracker And remember what Christ has done for you and be thankful. Not only was his body broken, but also his blood was poured out. His blood was poured out so that when when God sees us, and I mean this figuratively, but... When God sees us, he sees the blood of Christ. He doesn't see Kyle's old self. He doesn't see my imperfection or your imperfection. When we have a relationship with him, he sees us with Christ's blood figuratively covering us and views us as the righteousness of God. That's made possible not by works, but by his grace. Amen. So take the juice. Drink it and remember that Christ's blood was shed for you and for me and be thankful. Amen. Let's stand together this morning.